Welcome to you wherever you are at, whomever you're with. We are so very glad that you are here with us for a few moments this weekend. Before we jump into our teaching, I want to remind you of this wonderful resource called the U version of the Bible. It's an absolutely free app, all kinds of wonderful resources. And if you look under events, search for Arlington FM Church, there you will find a complete set of notes for this weekend's message. Also, when you're in your favorite podcast player, if you'd likewise search for Arlington FM Church, there you will find all of our teaching content. Well, speaking of teaching content, uh, we are in a series that we're calling My Good Habits. And, uh, you know, this series is about establishing a few good habits that have uh, momentum gathering impact in our lives. If we can just lay down the tracks for these few good habits, it creates a whole lot of other good outcomes in our lives. In fact, uh, uh, people who study uh, forming good habits uh, call these keystone habits, and uh, they have this uh, effect of automatically leading to multiple positive behaviors and effects in our lives. Uh, they spark chain reactions that help other good habits take hold. And uh, as I've uh, prepared this series, I've sifted through uh, the best of the best, and I believe that what we're looking at are the absolute uh, blue ribbon, top shelf, uh, keystone habits that, again, if we can lay down these tracks in our lives, they will take us to wonderful places. And uh, I, I do want to anchor in uh, this outlook on uh, forming uh, positive habits in our lives to make big changes, you have to think, start, and celebrate small. And I know that's hard for us to do when we, we want to make a great, big, huge, wonderful changes, transformative changes in our lives. It's hard to be able to uh, think, start, celebrate small. And uh, I want to challenge you uh, to, to really embrace that mindset. You know, we've looked at this scripture, do not despise the day of small things, uh, God says through his prophet Zechariah, because God himself rejoices to see us get started moving in the right direction. And, uh, you know, as we've gone through the first three of these good habits, I think it's easy to look at them and maybe despise them a little bit, to think, well, you know, how is that going to wonderfully impact my life? And uh, think about the first one. Uh, we said, you know, one really good habit, is I find a way every day to marvel at God. And it can be easy to, you know, in all the important serious things that we're about, it can be easy to minimize the value of finding a way every day to marvel at the greatness of God. And yet the, the biblical writers knew that the, that was a huge uh, response to God and it had so many impacts in our lives. The Apostle Paul wrote in the beginning of the most doctrinal book in the Bible, the book of Romans, he wrote these words, ever since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen being understood or grasped from what has been made so that people are without excuse when they don't respond to the revelation of God. Uh, Paul goes on, he says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, which I would say is marveling at God, 
nor gave thanks to him. But instead, their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And thus begins Paul's etymology, the source of all the brokenness and the pain and the suffering in our world that comes from this absence, the inability to marvel at the clear revelation of God. So uh, this seemingly small good habit has a, a vast uh, potential uh, to orient our lives towards what matters. Uh, think about the second uh, good habit. I go to a place once a day to meet with Jesus. I go to a place once a day to meet with Jesus. And it can be easy to, uh, again, uh, minimize the importance of that and to uh, not really uh, see the potential negative impact on our lives when we fail to do that. But uh, think about what Jesus said and taught. He said, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, remain literally means to live in, to be connected intimately. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. So according to the teaching of Jesus, uh, to not go to a place and meet with him is really uh, foolish. And uh, we remove ourselves from so much power and potential of his life. I think about the third good habit that we laid down last week is I, I take a daily swim in the ocean of God's forgiveness. I take a daily swim in the ocean of God's forgiveness. Well, according to the text we looked at last week, the negative consequences of not doing this are self-evident. Uh, Jesus taught, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will do the same for you. He'll release you from the most negative consequences of your fails and your flawed nature. But if you do not forgive others their sins, well, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins, and we're destined to a life of packing around our burdens of our flaws and our failures. So uh, please, uh, I exhort you, don't minimize the incredible value of these few good habits. And today, we come to the fourth one, the last in our series, uh, and uh, I want to uh, kind of give you a tip on this fourth keystone habit. Uh, this one will open up uh, worlds of positive outcomes in our lives. In fact, uh, if you lay this keystone habit down, uh, it will not only help you live better, uh, very likely, according to the teaching of Jesus, it will help you live longer. If you lay down this small keystone habit in your life, it will help you jettison, let go of enormous amounts of worry and anxiety that we really don't have to do life with. You will be more focused and centered as a, as a human being. You will spin your wheels less if you lay down this simple habit. And uh, But here's the truth about this habit, probably more so than any of the other ones. You have to do this every day. If you don't, if it doesn't become as natural as breathing and walking and eating, it, it will not produce the positive impacts 
that it should. This habit is about ordering our lives according to right values and priorities. This habit is about being able to focus on what matters most in a world of choices. This habit it will shape your inner motivations. You know, uh, we're motivated by something every day. And a lot of those drives we don't even pay attention to, but here are some of the things that, that motivate us. Uh, pleasure, the pursuit of pleasure, comfort, the desire to uh, live protectively. Uh, fear can motivate uh, our, all of our activities of the day. Anger, envy of what others have, jealousy, our own insecurities, uh, something drives and sets in motion our choices and our actions every single day. Kind of like the old song by the lyrics, uh, uh, lyrics of Bob Dylan. He said, you're going to serve somebody and something's going to drive our choices and our behaviors. Well, uh, Jesus uh, gives us uh, this, the beginnings of this daily habit. It's kind of like a portal that opens up into all kinds of other wonderful habits in fact, uh, this comes as Jesus is teaching uh, how to do life in communion with God, uh, how to live responsively to God and not to impress people, that our spirituality would really be anchored in communing with our Heavenly Father. And in that context, he gives us uh, the Lord's Prayer. As we've seen, uh, hallowed be thy name is another way of saying we marvel at God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done is another way of meeting with the King of Kings, Jesus, and opening up to his directives. And uh, in that context, uh, Jesus says uh, six very simple words. He says, give us today our daily bread. Uh, give us today our daily bread. And as with the other uh, good habits, it would be easy to minimize what Jesus is teaching here. You know, as he's just saying, Lord, uh, give us some good bakery items today. Uh, give us enough to feed our bellies. Well, I believe that Jesus is teaching something much deeper than that. He's teaching uh, how we commune with our Heavenly Father and how, how we depend on God to give us what we need to do well in life. And uh, before we come back uh, to these six simple yet powerful words that shape our approach to God. Uh, the rest of the Sermon on the Mount uh, kind of flows out of this disposition. There's a cascade of truth that uh, as we begin to look at them, you'll see that uh, these words really do form a portal where we enter in uh, to the, the wisdom and the fullness of God uh, on how to live our lives. Uh, Jesus teaches on the heels of these six words, he says, look, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Uh, but instead, approach your life this way. Store up for yourself lasting treasures, treasures in heaven, treasures that really matter where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And then this incredible truth. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, look, if you live in the right disposition with God, you'll be able to make choices about what to value. 
And uh, rather than pursuing things that ultimately let you down, you'll be able to prioritize and choose the things that build you up. And that last, uh, he goes on, he says, the eye is the lamp of our body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body within will be full of light. Uh, but if your eyes are unhealthy, well, uh, then your whole body will be full of darkness. Uh, what's he saying? He's saying, look, you have the ability to look upon the things that end up filling your heart, that end up filling your mind, basically that end up uh, uh, defining what our inner world is like through what we set our thoughts and our minds, our hearts, our eyes upon. He ends with this statement, uh, if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And uh, what Jesus is saying is this right interaction with God uh, will give us the ability to invite good uh, into our inner world as opposed to darkness and evil. He goes on. He says, look, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Well, what's Jesus saying there? Uh, the ability to live with integrity and wholeheartedness uh, to, uh, again, uh, value the things that are worth valuing uh, cascades out of this habit of approaching God uh, in the right way with those six simple words that Jesus gave us. He goes on to elaborate a, a fuller side of this truth. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father takes care of them, provides what they need, feeds them. And uh, then this point, are you not much more valuable than they are? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And so, again, elaborate on the truths that cascade out of this accurate relationship with God is the ability to live above worry and anxiety, uh, to be able to settle into a confident and calm rest as we approach life. Uh, basically, Jesus is saying the ability to trust God flows out of this accurate interaction with him. Uh, and so he goes on, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Uh, for people who don't, <laughs> don't believe in God, don't uh, follow God's ways, the pagans, they run after all these things. They set their eyes on the, the wrong things. They make the wrong choices. They worry about things that they don't need to. And your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. And now uh, Jesus comes to the real coup de grace, the point of all of this teaching about how we move through this world and what we value and set our hearts on. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. You know, ultimately, what Jesus is saying is uh, this disposition that you have and the way that you depend on God is the key to life. It's the key to choosing the things that last and add value 
to our lives rather than leave us depleted and empty and dissatisfied. Well, all of these things emerge out of this habit that we're laying down today. In fact, uh, Jesus concludes his Sermon on the Mount with these words. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Uh, see, the ability to live in the moment, to not sacrifice today over yesterday's regrets or tomorrow's fears, it comes out of this habit. So I want to go back uh, to the words of Jesus. When you're interacting with God, when you're marveling at his amazing nature, when you're aligning with his kingdom priorities, he says you ought to do this. Ask God, God, give us today our daily bread. Give us what we need, Lord, and we're going to depend on you to supply all that we need. We're going to look to you to give us what our hearts really yearn for and what our lives really need to make them healthy. And so here is today's good habit. Uh, number four, this keystone habit, is uh, I run my baggage through God's security check. And you wonder, wait, what? Where are you going with that? How does that give us today our daily bread? Well, uh, when we talk about baggage that we pack in life, we're usually talking about worries and cares and anxieties that we don't really need, but they just cling to us. You know, we get our thoughts set on the wrong things. We get our eyes focused on things that we think we need to make us happy. And I kind of lump all that under this, uh, my baggage, and this is what I pack through life, oftentimes unnecessarily. I would go back to the question of Jesus, why do you worry about these things? Uh, can you add a single cubit to your life by being anxious and troubled about many things? You know, uh, I, I think uh, all of us have kind of adapted to this reality uh, called the, the security lines at the airport. You know, it used to be you'd, you'd go to the airport uh, just before your flight. Now you got to factor in wading through endless lines of security. I think uh, this picture kind of depicts what we've all come to love and appreciate about traveling is, uh, you know, submitting ourselves to the humility of going through security checks and wondering why are they clawing through my baggage and sometimes uh, touching me in ways that feel inappropriate. But, uh, you know, when you look at the list of things that uh, people kind of tried to carry on to the plane, uh, last year they included things like a chainsaw, a hand grenade, fireworks, a machete, bear spray, <laughs> a firearm, a buckle on a belt, or uh, this one, a meth burrito. You realize that a lot of people uh, try to carry baggage on planes that they really have no business uh, taking there. And it, uh, it just made me think about, you know, oftentimes when we go out to embark upon our day, we are carrying baggage that is every bit as self-sabotaging as some of those items. And uh, one of the healthiest things we can do is let God uh, kind of examine our hearts uh, before we start each day and to kind of help us decide what baggage needs to be let go of, what things need to be prayed over, what things need to be entrusted to God. 
and what things can I just uh, surrender uh, to his care, knowing that he, he's going to provide the things I need in life. You know, uh, after marveling at the nearness of God, after connecting with the presence of Jesus, after releasing those who sinned against me so I can experience God's forgiveness, one of the things I'll often do is let God kind of sift through uh, the thoughts and intentions of my heart and show me. It's kind of like this psalm uh, where the, uh, David, at the end of uh, Psalm 139, he's been marveling at the nearness of God. He's been marveling at the comprehensive thoughts that God has about him, about his life, his well-being. And so uh, David comes to this conclusion, Psalm 139, verse 23, he says, search me, oh God. He's asking God to yeah, sift through, you know, the, the anxious things that are going on inside of him. Search me, God. Know my heart. He's, he's inviting God uh, to not be deceived by his cover-ups, but to really uh, bring into the light. He says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. And uh, here's what David is really asking God to do. See if there is any offensive way in me. See if I'm packing any firearms or things in my life that are self-sabotaging. God, see if there's any offensive way in me. You know that word offensive, it has some unusual twists of meaning. The first sense is idle. Think about that. David's saying, Lord, see if there's any idols in my life things I've set my eye on, things I've set my heart on, where my treasures are that are self-defeating, and help me correct those. In fact, the last thought he expresses is, uh, Lord, see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way that is good, that is everlasting, that'll actually bring good things into my life. And uh, I, I have to believe that uh, this small habit that I'm encouraging us to take, that every day uh, we would uh, run our baggage through God's security checkpoint, is uh, God wants to do that very thing, is to identify those thoughts, those heart attachments, those anxieties, uh, the things that we often carry uh, many times unconsciously into our day. He would have us lay those down, and we come back to these simple words uh, give us today our daily bread. You know, uh, what I've taken uh, from this uh, invitation of Jesus to approach my heavenly Father is uh, I could say it this way. I simplify my needs, and I trust my heavenly Father to meet them. You know, what a wonderful way to go into the day is uh, you kind of calm your anxious thoughts. You let God bring to light some of those self-sabotaging uh, inner world dynamics and you simplify what you really need to do well today and then you trust your heavenly father uh, to meet them well uh, i believe that the apostle paul was a wonderful example of this uh, he's writing from a prison cell to his friends in philippi here's what he says uh, i've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I've simplified my needs, and I trust my Heavenly Father to meet them. Whether I'm well-fed or hungry, whether I'm living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. Uh, would you pray with me? 
Father, we want to thank you for your invitation uh, to do life with you, uh, to really commune with our Creator, and to experience his nearness every day of our lives. And uh, I pray, Lord God, uh, that as we lean in uh, to your wisdom, uh, thank you, Jesus, for this invitation that daily uh, we could come before our Heavenly Father, we could uh, set aside our worries and cares and anxieties and all the things that we strive for and think we need uh, to experience peace. And we can say, uh, Father, uh, give me today what I need to live well. Uh, give us today our daily bread. And uh, I would pray for uh, any of you who are hearing these words. Maybe you're thinking, you know, I've never really known the Creator as my Heavenly Father before. That is the gift of Jesus Christ. He came to reveal God as our loving Father. He came to achieve the forgiveness that we need in order to be near to Him. And uh, if your desire is to open up to that, I would encourage you right where you're at, say something like this, uh, Father God, thank you uh, for the love that I've heard about that you have for me today. I want to open up to that. I receive the gift of Jesus Christ. Uh, thank you that uh, he paid the penalty for my sins so that I don't have to bear them. And all you ask of me is that I'd be willing to extend that same forgiveness uh, to others. And uh, Lord, I want that. I open up to that. I receive that. And I choose to walk in that. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.